This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and it's the summer months now on the Bobcast, and with school out of session, we are taking a trip down memory lane with student-athletes from the past decades. This week, we chat with two-time NCAA shot put champion Liz Wanless from the class of 2004. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Liz Wanless's list of athletic accolades is long and impressive. As a Bates volleyball player, she was a four-time All-NESCAC selection and one-time All-American, while the Bobcats win a combined 105 and 41 over four seasons. But Wanless stood out even more competing for then-head coach Carolyn Court as a track and field athlete at Bates in her specialty, the shot put. As a senior in 2004, Wanless won the Division III shot put title in both indoor and outdoor competition. She even had a legendary Bobcat teammate in her friend, Keelan Godsey, who also went on to win NCAA titles and played a pioneering role as a transgender athlete. As it turned out, Bates was only the start of Wanless's rise as a shot putter. She won Division I All-America honors in her final year of eligibility at the University of Florida, then went on to compete in the World Championships for Team USA. Now working as an assistant professor and assistant director of analytics at Ohio University's College of Business, Wanless joined the Bobcast via Zoom to talk about her unique story at Bates and beyond. Liz, I wanted to start with kind of how you ended up coming to Bates, growing up near St. Louis in Illinois, uh, in Belleville. What was the process like for you in your college search? Take us back then. Sure. Well, first, hello to the Bates community. It's been a while since I've been able to formally say hello Uh, So I'm glad to be reaching out to anyone who's listening right now. So my college search experience was uh, pretty eventful, I should say, and I'll qualify that. So I was from the Midwest. I grew up in Southern Illinois, and my parents wanted us to see every college that we possibly could, every college or university, so that we could have a grand vision for what we really wanted out of our college experience. Fast forward to the... (laughs) 14-day whirlwind tour of New England where we saw probably 16 schools in 14 days. Uh, And it was really instinctual. When I stepped on the Bates campus, I remember thinking, I will go to school here. Even though it was my brother's college tour, uh, we were going as he was approaching his junior year. I was still in grade school. You know, where all the, all the tours seem to mesh together, just having that feeling of being on campus, being in Maine, and knowing the type of academic experience I would have there. I mean, athletics wasn't even on the radar at the time as something that I would pursue. So knowing that I would have a great academic experience, I, I really wanted to go. And so this, I, kinda, I had it narrowed down to Bates, Colby, and Cornell, interestingly. And I took... Uh, visits to all three, all three schools and spent the night at all three schools. And again, had that gut feeling when I spent the night on Bates campus. And so there I was, you know, as soon as you, as soon as fall of 2000 rolled around, you know, I was trying out for the volleyball team and <laughs> that was history. I was a Batesy. 
I'm curious because you mentioned that athletics weren't really a part of, I guess, the decision-making process for you, at least initially. I did read somewhere you were recruited, though, by some Division One programs for volleyball. Do you recall that? Or was that news not accurate I read there, perhaps? No, that was accurate. Yeah. That was absolutely accurate. So my, it's really interesting to think about the shift, and I haven't thought about it in, in quite a long time, but I came from a real dominant football high school uh, you know, around the St. Louis metro area where volleyball was the thing. And so I was, not, I was on teams with people who ended up, you know, competing at Mizzou, competing at Duke. I mean, some real deal volleyball players. And so I kind of, I kind of, I was middle of the pack, but that allowed me to be pursued by some division one schools for volleyball. And it really hadn't connected. I was pushing it uh, to compete in track and field at, at some of these colleges, but really was recruited for volleyball. So interesting, interesting that that story has come up after all this time. And so, but at that point you were, th you, Bates was pretty much your choice. You weren't tempted by the, these D1 programs? No, it, it really was a gut feeling. And that is all, there is, that is all the logic that was to that. I mean, I'm sure when uh, my dad thought about Cornell as a potential landing spot. Yeah. I'm sure that he thought that, you know, this would be a really good idea. But for me, it, gut instinct, this is where I'm meant to be. Bates College, that's it. And they, they allowed me to make that decision. So growing up, when did you start getting into sports from an athletic standpoint? When did you start playing volleyball? Did you play any other sports growing up? I did. I was multi-sport. Volleyball, basketball, soccer. It wasn't until my sophomore year of high school that I went out for the track team. One of my very good friends said that I might fit the bill as a thrower. Hey, you should give this a try. So went out and, and never, never felt the seriousness. Again, I was at a very large high school, a hotbed for athletes pursuing Division I, and never felt never felt the same mindset, appreciated what they wanted to do, uh, knew that it wasn't my story. And the shot put, when did you first throw it in your life, kind of? What do you remember about learning that event? The shot put and throwing that for the first time, you know, I can't remember the first practice, mm -hmm. but I remember the first season. And I remember moving from cold weather and outdoor track to warm weather and automatically like that, the shot put went three feet farther or something like that. And I remember spending a great deal amount of time with my coach and my fellow uh, teammate who'd recruited me to start in the first place. I remember spending quite a bit of time asking, why did it go farther? Okay, well, how can it go farther than that? <laughs> That's something that really, it piques your interest and it just grabs you. If you're someone with a growth mentality and you're thinking about ways to improve and you have this automatic, non-arbitrary measure, you know, the shot put lands where it lands, it's something that was, was very appealing to my personality from the beginning, even though I didn't hit seriousness with a serious, a serious mentality with it until uh, before my junior year of eights. Right, I was going to mention that. So you get to Bates, and really the first couple of years, you're focused on volleyball, right? I, I, I know you what? You set the school record on the shot, put in like one meet, and then decided you didn't want to do it anymore? Tell us about that, kind of. <laughs> the, so this, this is the story that kind of hides away, right? This is not the story that, that ends up making the headlines. Of course, my uh, pursuit of national championships, and then after 
you know, professional athlete status. That's what makes the headlines. But really, my first year at Bates College was quite uh, tumultuous. So I came in, I'm trying out for the volleyball team. We have this mile run, right? It's one of the first things we do in tryouts. I could not finish the mile without walking. And so this is one of my first experiences as an athlete at Bates College. And when you're a first year, you know, you want, you want to try to fit in, you want to try to find your spot. And I, I thought for sure that volleyball uh, would help me do that. We walk into the gym and I have one of the highest, if not the highest vertical. So Gwen and Jen, Gwen and I, I, I can't place her last name, but of course remember Jen Bowman, because so she was my coach for longer, but Gwen and Jed said, hey, Liz, you know, you know, sorry about the mile run, but you know, you may have talents in other areas. You know, someone as tall as I am with a, you know, built like I was being able to, to kind of jump out of the gym. I was like, okay, you know, maybe this is someone that we can, that we can work with. Okay, so freshman year, I come out for shot put. I decide I'm going to throw myself into academics. Plus I have a looming back injury. Little did I know it was a ticking time bomb that would force me out of the sport altogether many years later. Uh, but I came out, I set the school record, and I quit the team. And from what, <laughs> from what I understand, this was quite controversial, and that they tried to get they, and I'm not sure who they is, so let's, let's not paint the whole athletic department. I believe it was maybe a couple coaches, uh, really wanted to get that record stripped and wanted to keep it with you know an athlete that had persisted and had put the work in which you know I, I can understand but for me it felt okay I tried this you know I'm, I'm not sure I want to kind of to continue with it I really want to put myself into academics I really want to try to find something that grabs my attention I want to put myself into my classwork and uh, I did not compete my freshman year in chaplet little did I know that that would be the catalyst for me competing on the University of Florida track team after I graduated with a year of eligibility that I wouldn't have had had I competed uh, the entire time. It's funny how things work out sometimes, right? <laughs> I will tell you, <laughs> when we chatted about having this conversation, looking back at some of these stories and how the, how the puzzle pieces fit together, it was just this really unthinkable journey that came together the, with the stars aligned. It's almost like you have to think that the stars were aligned for this incredible journey that I had. It's just an amazing set of stories that all add up together. Yeah. So your first year, 2000, your NESCAC Rookie of the Year. The NESCAC as a formal conference is kind of in its infancy at that point, right? I mean, did you have a sense of that coming in? This was kind of a new thing with like a, a formal schedule and stuff, or was that not really on your radar with the NESCAC? was not on my radar. Yeah, yeah. On my radar was, okay, let's hope I can fit in in college. Let's hope I can find the right group of people to hang out with. Let's hope this is a really good experience. You know, I was, I was nervous about leaving home. I was coming across the country. You know, nobody from my high school was going to Bates. Nobody was going, I don't even think anywhere in New England, to be honest with you. So I was quite nervous about it and, re and really relied on volleyball to provide me with that, that culture. So there, when I look back on my athletic experience, the, the memories that are most clear 
are either process-oriented memories, memories where I had achieved a new benchmark for myself, you know, completing the mile run and uh, beating every, every volleyball player in the mile run before my junior year. You know, that's something that I remember so clearly. Uh, I remember the camaraderie, especially on the volleyball team and between uh, Keelan Gagatsi and myself on the track team. You know, those are the things that I remember the most. So when I head back home and my parents have, they've recently taken it down and have boxed these up, but they had this just wall. It filled a wall of things like NESCAC Rookie of the Year, you know, SEC Player of the Week, uh, National Champion this, All-American that. You know, those are not the things that I remember because it was a very, it was a process-oriented approach for me. It was really about uh, the beauty of shot put and the art of it and the teammates, especially on the volleyball team, because that was a more team-oriented sport and the time we had together. So it's interesting to look back, you know, this, this amount of time later and think about what, what types of memories you really have, because you start to think that it's the pursuit of athletic success that drove a lot of this but it really was, it was the pursuit of the process. Mm. Jen Bowman, your head coach in volleyball for four years. Uh, she's now at Trinity and has been for quite some time, but what was she like as a coach? Oh my gosh. I, let me set the scene. <laughs> the volleyball team period was a cast of characters, no doubt. And I could even, I could even generalize that across the NESCAC. Mm. But Jen Bowman herself was, you think of two terms, hustle, and fun. So this was someone who was hard on me, who challenged me, who hustled. You know, she hustled herself, she worked hard herself. But this is someone that also had a great deal of fun and passion for what she did. So Trinity's, I mean, just really lucky to have her. Someone who was very influential on my life and, you know, allowed me the grace after, after failing, I will say F, big fat F for the mile run that first year, allowing me to come back, you know, try it again and then to help shape me into someone who, who would win the mile run, you know, eventually a couple years later. I mean, that, I think there's something to be said for that type of influence on anyone's life. And it was something that I really needed for sure. And how about some of your teammates? Who, do you still keep in touch with a few of them nowadays? Or um, in terms of who are some memorable teammates from your time as a volleyball player at Bates? Oh my gosh. Memorable teammates. That question could be answered with every single one of them. Yeah, I right. think, uh, probably one of the more memorable just because of, of what she is doing now is such a great reflection of who she was at Bates. Katie Burke. Katie Burke is now the chief of human resources at HubSpot, a global company. I mean, right now she, she posts on LinkedIn, so I'm able to see, but She's overseeing all of, their, all of their offices when they reopen, what that process looks like. And this is a global company and it was just voted best place to work. And she, she focuses on her goals uh, to create a more diverse world in tech. And I'm telling you, that is exactly who she was when she was a teenage. You know, I remember having conversations with her about what it meant to be an all-American girl, not an all-American you know, volleyball player, but just an all-American girl and what that person looks like. And she would tell us all that that's what we were. We were the all-American girls. 
and of course, you know, I did not believe that. I didn't think that I fit uh, my, the bill of what I thought that was, but it's just, it's so memorable to see someone have such amazing success and it's all driven from who she was at the time. Uh, I had a pack of, uh, I like to say thieves that I ran around with, Olivia Zurich, Stephanie Schopel, and Elizabeth Blakely. Uh, if I had to look back and, and think about one of the best athletes I've ever met in my entire life, and that includes you know, post-college and when I went on to compete professionally, Olivia Zurich really is one of the better athletes I've ever known. You know, this was not going to be, you know, she was not going to pursue athletics beyond college. It wasn't what she wanted to do. You know, she was an amazing neuroscience major, just absolutely really, really smart. She's an incredible athlete, you know, picked up setting, played as an outside hitter, was just, was just incredible, you know, and the women that I competed with, especially those three, I mean, they, they were my best friends. They were my best friends in college. Now, this could not be a conversation about my experience at Bates if we didn't talk about Keelan Godsey. Sure. And what an amazing, you know, and what an amazing yeah. uh, duo we were together. And I have so many stories. I was thinking about these, and I, I, can't, I, was, I can't wait to bring these back up. So Leslie Milk, who is now Leslie Stubna, she came to me and said, hey, Liz, you know, there's someone in the locker room saying that he can beat everybody at the throws events on the women's track team and that he was really going to be the best at it. And I said, oh, really? Oh, really, Leslie? And so then Keelan and I met shortly after. Of course, I beat Keelan at the shot put. And this was before Keelan had really stepped into his uh, his rhythm in the in the weight throw, but uh, I kind of showed him that you know that they, we were going to compete. But here's the magic of this of this situation is that we both had a decision to make, and this is something that uh, definitely sets the template for my for my workplace brand. Now, is that when someone comes along and they're great, and they're not only great, they're excellent and you know they're going to be excellent, you have a choice. You either become a part of this journey or you don't. And Keelan and I both made the decision to support each other from the get-go, even when it made either of us uncomfortable. You know, we were, it was a brother-sister relationship that uh, was, was, that was absolutely the truth in how you describe it. You know, you both compete and collude at the same time. We embodied that. But that's something that I am incredibly proud of because now in the workplace environment, that's exactly what I embody. My workplace brand is very strong. People know me as someone who pursues her own goals as ambitiously as she supports others. And it, that has brought me a lot of success in my, own, in my own profession, but it's brought me a lot of reward being a part of other people's success. Yeah, so I was going to get to Keelan, but before, uh, what brought you back to the track and field team, I guess? So you had very successful, obviously, start to your volleyball career at Bates, and then what brought you back to track and field? Well, I think it was a couple, it was a couple things, right? Because something happened there in that spring that wasn't satisfying enough um, for, me, for me to kind of stay away from track and field. So I think, I think a couple cat catalysts were, were present here. First of all, uh, nothing that I would find in academics yet had the pull that athletics did. 
And meaning, you know, shot put has your attention from week to week, you're moving up, you're moving down, you're competing against other people. And that didn't really happen in the academic space. It wouldn't be until much, much later that I fell in love with analytics and the application of advanced analytics to sports. You know, and I really pursue it the same way as I did track and field. But the other element was energy expenditure for me was, you know, and the vast, I mean, and the great deal of energy expenditure that you get through playing uh, a sport team, playing on a sport team or being a part of track and field is that that was a standard operating expenditure that I needed in order to feel like a normal human being, like a relaxed human being. So working out, and I, this is something that, you know, I should have realized in the, in the trend of my childhood all the way through high school is that I was heavily involved in sport, played it all the time, and kind of never seemed to tire out. You know what I mean? We do three, we three, do three a days in volleyball in high school. I'd be hot and tired. You know, I'd be hot and tired at the end, but was always ready to get up the next day. It's just an energy level that I realized needed, um, needed expenditure. And so I think coming back out for the track team was, was played a dual role. You know, it allowed me to pursue goals that I wanted to pursue and get that immediate feedback from, from a meet. And then it also allowed me to expend energy that I really needed uh, from a higher energy, higher energy person. I just really needed to expend that energy. So it was a, it was a dual purpose. It was normalizing. And then it was something that really got my attention, something that I really wanted to excel in. Tell us about the coaches who really had an influence on you from the shot put perspective. I know Bates had a, a couple of throws coaches that you were working with a lot at the time, right? So there's a story here, right? As per usual. Yeah. Coach Woodhead was a hammer guy and a weight guy yeah. and was really interested in that. And so I remember the spring of my sophomore year, we spent a lot of time at the hammer circle and I was kind of feeling out the shop at circle and trying to, to kind of feel my way through it. And then coach Corp saw, you know, I asked her, you know, I said, is there anyone who can be in the community who can really help me out with this? And she introduced me to Jane Jaywar. Jane Jaywar is just a spectacular athlete in her own right. I think competed for and shot put for the university of Tennessee through 46 feet out of high school, which is, I mean, that's, that's legit. That's legit stuff. And when you met her, uh, you could gather that she was that kind of athlete. She's built that way and still lifts now. You know, I see uh, her doing home workouts on Facebook. I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing the way she's able to still uh, get after the same type of lifts that we uh, utilized back in the track and field chocolate days. She was uh, not only a mentor, but someone I aspired to be like because of her athleticism and, you know, dominance in, in shot put. Now her husband at JWAR was the quintessential track and field enthusiast. And so they uh, balanced, I think they were having their, their first child my senior year or something like that. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of piece it together. Um, but they uh, gave me the time and energy that I really needed. And once someone puts that type of effort into you, you began to put more effort into yourself. So, so they really, they, they helped my track career. They were just great at their skills, but you know, they believed in me. And I think that that's half, I think that's half the battle. Uh, Coach Court had an incredible influence on me. There's one of those process memories that I will never forget is when I came to Coach Court, it was in my junior year after I'd kind of exploded, right? So 
sophomore year, I came out, I'll tell the story of it, but sophomore year, I came out for the track team and missed making indoor nationals by three centimeters or something like that. And it didn't feel good, right? It didn't feel good. And so that can put me on a journey. At the same time, I was taking a philosophy class. And you're probably wondering what either of these has to do with each other, but it does. It merges together, you know, right at the time, uh, again, stars aligned. But I was learning about Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics and really soul searching. You know, anyone who knew me my freshman and sophomore year at Bates College would say that I was searching for something. And, you know, this philosophy class talked about the meaning of life. And Aristotle's point was that, and there have been critiques of his work since then, but this is something that really got my attention, is that the good life is excellence, is, is living excellence. And so I thought to myself, okay, you know, that's something that I really resonate with. And so that summer of my junior year is when I began to hold myself accountable to what I thought excellence in shot put was and what it demanded. And so I began making decisions for someone who I thought would be excellent at this. You know, that had me doing extra sets, that had me taking extra throws, that had me paying very close attention to what I ate. Doing all of those things set an incredible physical base. And so I exploded. You know, I, I went from 43 to 50 feet in one year. Uh, and that is a very big jump for shot putting. But I turned to Coach Court and I said, Coach, I just want one chance to compete at the big time. Just one chance to see how I stack up against the women on the highest stage. And she, kind of, she squinted at me through her glasses, which anyone who competed for her knows what that, looks at, what that look is. And she came to me and she printed off the standards for the indoor USA track and field national championship meet. And she said that I met the standards and that I could go to the meet and com compete against the best in the US. You know, the people who were the best in the US at the time ended up being my rivals in the future, which is, which is really interesting, a really interesting um, progression. But you know, I, I had a personal best there. And if you think about it, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to take the extra time to look up those standards. She didn't have to take me to that meet. She didn't have to invest in helping me find coaches uh, that could help cover the spread of the throws events. It's really hard to be a, a throw outdoors throws coach because you're spread across so many different physical spaces. It's just really hard to do that. You know, she didn't have to do those things, but she did. She absolutely did. So we've got Jen Bowman, who's influential, a leader, fun, hustled, Jane and Ed Jaywar, incredible skills, mentors, role models, Coach Court, who was just the most incredible facilitator, inspirational in her own right as she was one of the first women to grace uh, a track. You know, she's one of the first females to step out and, and do that and engage in that. And then you have Suzanne Coffey. So Suzanne Coffey was the athletic director at the time. And Suzanne Coffey plays an incredible role in the story because when I went to the Penn State Relays, that's when I beat some division one, that's when I beat some division one athletes and, you know, talk to coaches about competing after and really coaches at the division one level didn't want to take on, you know, someone who wanted to compete without them, you know, what's in it for me, right? Without a year of eligibility. So I came back to Suzanne Coffey and I said, 
you know, I competed once my freshman year. How, can that be a year of eligibility? Can I compete at the next level? Uh, can I compete at I take a year at the University of Florida, for example? And she helped make that happen. It had to be approved by all of the athletic directors in the NESCAC. And I don't, you know, I had a back injury at the time, so there were health reasons why I wasn't competing. But I don't think that that approval would have happened without her, you know, prowess in the NESCAC and without her relationships in the NESCAC. And again, without her willingness to go forward and do that. It's like you realize, you realize later on that, that people don't have to help in the ways that they did. You know, because they did, you're able to take on these incredible journeys. Certainly. Um, we've talked a lot about the shot put. Did you dabble in the hammer, weight, discus? I mean, were, were you shot put all the way? Well, <laughs> there's a story there too. <laughs> of course, yes. You know, the team, the team wanted extra points. Oh, I'm so ashamed. This is embarrassing. <laughs> the team wanted extra points, but uh, my philosophy was that I wanted to put everything I had into the shot put. So really had, had designated, self-designated myself as a shot put only athlete, uh, much to the disappointment. I am positive disappointment, even though they didn't, they didn't show it to me, uh, but much to the disappointment of my coaches. You know, I could have, I could have scored more points for the team had I thrown in the way throw. Mm. You know, that's something that I chose to do to, to focus on the shot put. So yes, I was a shot putter through and through. There was very little at the time you could do to convince to convince me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned Keelan earlier. You know, looking yeah. back, looking back now, if you look at the Bates record books, you're like, wow, Keelan Godsey, Liz Wanless on the same team, setting national marks. I mean, winning national titles. What a special time in the history of Bates, you know, women's track and field. Did you get that sense at that moment that this was a really a special duo, uh, you and Keelan? No, no, because we were goofy and we were <laughs> <laughs> we didn't take ourselves too seriously. You know, we were on the bus sharing warm-up songs. You know, the remix of, what's that terrible Brian Adams song? Um, oh my gosh, I can sing it. I won't do it. I will not do it. It was, an, it was a remix of a Brian Adams song. Oh, heaven, heaven, something like that, right? We were sharing, literally sharing warm-up songs on the ride over, you yeah. know, working out together. Um, yeah, no, we didn't, we didn't realize what that was, but I think... The fact that we were there together and we had someone pushing us, pushing each other, you know, that, that was a big part of the success too. Both of us, I think we both pushed each other, you know, and what would that have looked like without, you know, I wouldn't have wanted it that way. Um, ugh, gosh, brother-sister relationship, just to the core. It's exactly what it was. It, it, I was the older sister. He was the younger brother. That is exactly, <laughs> that is exactly that describes it to the T, the kind of, the um, popular connotation of what that means when you say that is exactly what that was. Yeah. So I read an article, you know, your junior year, you get second in both indoor and outdoor in the shot put. Uh, for most people that might be great, but you were displeased by that, right? At NCAA. <laughs> and that really motivated you for your you senior say year. That. So look, look back on that for us, kind of like how that served as motivation kind of going forward to your final season where, you know, everything came together. Kind of. Oh, Healy Thompson, where are you now, Healy Thompson? <laughs> Man, wasn't Williams just a, a thorn in my side? 
both volleyball and track and field, you know? Um, so something that as I was improving, I knew that Healy Thompson was a champion. You know, she had owned the ring, so to speak, uh, and knew she knew how to compete. So the one, the one takeaway, you know, the big shift in mindset really happened after that sophomore year, that, that perceived failure of not making it to the finals. So Healy, Healy Thompson, I went up against her and boy, you know, she PR'd to beat me at the national meet. And typical, <laughs> I fell apart right there. You know, this is so, this is funny because whenever I feel disappointed about my own performance or when I feel disappointed by an outcome, it's no, you know, walk away, hold your head up high and, you know, head back to the locker room, you know, show, show no vulnerabilities, right? Uh-uh. Anyone who remembers that time knows I would just flat out ball at the scene. I would cry at the scene in front, of in front of everybody. And so, you know, I'd hit the floor. I I really felt I really felt disappointed in myself, honestly. Not that I expected to win, but felt that I could have uh, competed better on the day, but those times when you hit the ground or what you think is bottom, right? When you really wanted to win and you didn't, or you really wanted to perform a certain way and you didn't, you wake up the next day, you know, you think you're gonna throw your shot puts away forever and that this is just gonna be it. You know, why sign up for this? And you know, you just get, you get back out on the track. And those are some of my favorite moments. When I would wake up the next day after, after crying about a loss or, getting very upset about a performance. You wake up, you look around, all right, I'm fine. Head back out on the track and devise a new plan to keep yourself motivated to win the next time around. And what's great about sport is that it pulls that out of you. You know, you, when you are preparing for the next season, that type of mentality gets pulled out of you. And I'm so glad that it was because my professional life has been enormously successful uh, with bumps along the way. And I learned so much about recovering from those bumps from shot put and sport that I recover much quicker than I think I would have. You know, I don't take them as seriously. You know, they're more signposts than anything else. Uh, you know, so that it's just really helpful. You know, I think it's such a nice time. Honestly, I'm so glad you struck this conversation because it's just a really good time for me to look back and realize that everything I did at Bates was a template for who I am now and how I pursue and how I pursue my work life now from the discipline and work ethic to responding to failures, uh, to supporting other people. It's, you know, that was really pulled. It may have always been there but it was pulled out of me uh, at Bates. You know, I don't know many people who go back for a second master's degree in business analytics after finishing their doctoral degree. You know, and that type of mentality was pulled out of me, uh, was pulled out of me there. So it's really interesting. Again, interesting to look back and think about those really pivotal moments. Your senior year, you were an All-American in volleyball. Do you remember being 
particularly proud of that accomplishment? Do you remember the moment you found out you were named, you know, to the All-American team? Or is that not something that really resonated that much? You mentioned before the trophies are kind of there, but it's more other stuff. But perhaps the All-American stands out a little bit more. I don't know. Well, it's an amazing achievement because everyone, you know, who, who has achieved that, it means that they've, you know, worked hard in the classroom and then have also, has also worked out, uh, worked um, at sport too and have committed themselves. But, and so the reason why I say that is because I don't want to short side that accomplishment. But to be honest with you, some of the volleyball memories that I uh, can see clear as day, I don't remember when I found out I was All-American. Some that I can remember clear as day is when I got our first Kate Hagedorn, amazing setter, uh, I remember talking to her and saying, I wished I was born a year earlier so that I could have had her as a setter for two years. <laughs> for two years at Fates College, we got a quick set, okay? That's the timing. It has to be on. The pass to the setter has to be dead on. And, you know, it was, it was in a competition against a good team. We beat the block, and it went straight down. I'm talking 10-foot line, one of the best hits I think I've ever had in my life. I can remember it clear as day. I remember the way the volleyball came off my hand. It, I love that, that time of that story. You know, the other time is when I played my last home game in alumni gym. And I don't know what modifications have been made to alumni gym, but it is literally the best home court, the worst away visiting court you could ever play on. Right. Loud in that gym, this, the bleachers felt basically spilled out onto the volleyball court. And, uh, it was just an amazing experience, but my last night there, you know, a lot of seniors turned out to see that last game, and I remember, uh, this is, uh, it's just as clear as day. I remember the last hit where I hit someone, and it hit right off the other team's, one of the players' shoulder, and went into the stands. Luckily, she was fine. I wouldn't tell the story as a fond memory if she was not okay, uh, but it went off into the stands, and that was it, and they sprayed, sprayed me with silly string, and, you know, appreciated that that was my journey there. And that was one of the most amazing nights, you know? So those are the memories yeah. that, that really stick out. And it's because I was so focused on the process. And I think that that was significant in terms of what I was able to achieve. Because if I wasn't focused on the process, well, I certainly would have quit. You know, I certainly would have quit uh, if it was just about athletic achievement. Certainly. And then, um, so senior year, very successful volleyball season, moving in, you know, indoor track, you, you win that national championship. What do you remember about that meet in particular indoors? You are still the only women's track and field in the individual indoor national champion in Bates history. So take us through that meet in particular, I guess. Oh, I remember hugging Keelan. Yeah. I remember having the great throw. Uh, I remember it. I can't, you know what? At some point, I hit the Olympic B standard. Mm. I remember that. And I remember my coaches telling me that. And I remember them telling me that we should make plans to go to the Olympic trials, but in pure fashion. And this is still me today. I wouldn't let anybody make plans until they had announced the final roster. Because not everybody who meets the standard goes. And so my coaches are looking at me like, Liz, you know, we have got to plan some travel out to this meet. And if we have to cancel it, that's fine. I said, no, no, you can't. We cannot plan travel to this until we know I've made the roster. And I remember sitting in Ed's office and he telling me, he's like, you made the cut. You made it. And I mean, those are the, that's what I remember. I remember. I remember feeling, I remember standing on top of the podium and looking out 
and this may surprise you, but I remember it uh, not comparing to the not comparing to the journey. I remember being proud to look up and see my family in the stands and proud to see my coaches and teammates supporting me, but it really didn't, it did not compare to those process moments. I was glad I did it. I was, it was a sign that I had rebounded from the last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was the first. Was I the first? I guess I was. The first, first and only time. indoor. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kelly Puglisi and I used to argue about that. Who would be the first? <laughs> I should look her up and tell her. I was like, hey, I actually was the first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was great. She was another fantastic athlete as well. Uh, she, I mean, how many times did she appear in the national tournament or in nationals for 800 meters and, and other, you know, races that she was really great in? Let's go back. You, you mentioned the philosophy class. Was that probably mm -hmm. the most impactful class you took at Bates or were there some others perhaps? Uh, there were. The math classes, the impact of the math classes. So this is something, you know, you just realize this later on, but, you know, who takes electives and they take a linear algebra? You know, linear algebra and the, these stats classes were my electives. <laughs> what I wanted to take when I wasn't taking, you know, core philosophy classes. But all of the philosophy classes and all of the philosophy professors were really award-winning in their own ways and shaped me in my own way. For someone who's soul-searching, taking a philosophy class with David Kaminsky uh, is I wouldn't recommend it uh, because I think he he was the one who taught um, the ethics course pretty sure of it and you know grasping on to Nicomachean ethics in a way that that shaped my direction knowing that the academics were tied to athletics so closely and this is not a story that everybody knows um, but realizing that you know that the academic athletic experience at a D3 uh, private liberal arts school has has so much can be so fulfilling for the right student really can yeah but that was the most influential class I mean I still have that book I still have it I don't have a lot of my college textbooks but the math classes ended up being influential now right as I continue to take classes and they are the foundation for that and knowing that I've taken them allows me to not have to take them again <laughs> so <laughs> so it's good I mean there's you know they all come around the classes all come around in their different ways they really do at different times in your life. It's kind of fun to look back and think about that. Absolutely. So your senior year of spring, you win the national title again outdoors and shot put. At that point yeah. in time, did you know you were going to Florida? What was the timeline kind of there? Like, did you know there was going to be another year of competing or was that still up in the air kind of? Well, the truth of this is that I knew I wanted to continue on. So the pursuit of excellence wasn't going to stop. Right. It couldn't stop after two, after two and a half years. It couldn't stop. So I knew I was going to continue on and I was calling coaches. I remember Olivia Zurich was my roommate at the time. I was calling coaches and I was getting shut down left and right. Nobody wanted to call back. Nobody, you know, nobody wanted to, uh, to facilitate that call, you know, without a year of eligibility. But well, as soon as I had one, then those coaches with, or that conversations with coaches became very different. Yeah. And that I was able to um, pick and choose at that point where I wanted to go. So yes, I had the year of eligibility there. I knew I wanted to compete after, but I don't think I had determined that because I was still talking with a coach from Ashland, Ohio. Mm -hmm. They had a really unique throwing mecca out there uh, that was at the D2 level, but they had some, you know, some Olympians and people who were competing at a high level. It was kind of a, a little pocket of great throws. They had people who um, were doing quite well. So and we were still conversing. So I don't think I had made the decision until after 
the Olympic trials. So coaches, my Bates coaches were there to guide me, but I remember talking to other coaches about pursuing, and Ramona Pagel about pursuing after. So the Olympic trials experience, take us through that. Uh, surreal. Uh, I think I was the only one who'd ever showed up with a Bates bag. You know those <laughs> maroon Bates bags? I don't know if they still have those. But I think I was the only one there with a Bates I'm sure I was the only one there with a Bates bag. And maybe the only one with a Bates bag in a long time. Uh, I remember lining up. I remember one of my, someone that I met at USATF Nationals Indoors the year before that I'd maintained contact with about competing professionally because she was. Uh, I remember walking out of the track with her, looking up in the stands, and I remember her saying, you know, this is the biggest track meet that I'll ever get to, or that we'll ever get to. And uh, intuitively in my mind, not out loud, intuitively in my mind I said, you know, speak for yourself. Right. And that very next year, qualifying for the world championship team, it's, an, it's just an absolute unthinkable story. Is it something that has happened or will ever happen again? You know, Keelan experienced very similar success in a different way. But is that something that will happen again? I don't know. What did competing at the University of Florida co compare to competing at Bates? Tell us the difference between the D1 and the D3 experience, perhaps. I will tell you, this, that, that is a question with a very clear answer. So when I was at Bates, you got an idea that there was a real love for the sport. So when I went into uh, the University of Florida weight room, I expected to see that only more so. But you know, I really didn't. The love for the, t for the sport was, um, there was a diversity of that on each squad. You know, you had people who were really into it, really appreciated it, and you had some people who didn't. But I remember walking into the weight room in the University of Florida, and I also remember being in the weight room when Ron Zook came through after he was fired, you know, and Urban Meyer came in shortly after. It was just these historical moments that, that are part of your experience. But it had at the top of the, of the weight room, making the best athletes better. And I looked up at that slogan and I thought, it's not me. You know, that's not, that's not the slogan that represents me. You know, you would think that something up there would be painted you know, blood, sweat, and tears, like Rocky Four material, right? <laughs> like something, <laughs> something like that. And then I realized all the complications with competing at Division One. You know, scholarship athletes versus non-scholarship athletes, and and it being much more part of people's identities, and so it being uh, those relationships on the track team being much more contentious than you know there wasn't a Keelan right. that didn't that didn't exist. And perhaps it, it could have existed uh, and may, and may other, have existed at other SEC schools, but at this particular uh, school, it did not. But the facilities, the equipment, second to none. Right. Free Gatorade wheeled out to you, trainers taking every last measure, to help you, and, and they did it, they did it base two, but there wasn't one hired athletic trainer for each team, and that's what it just really felt like at the University of Florida. Shoes, anytime I wanted them. Sweats, anytime I wanted them. You know, someone gave, I remember in the first couple of weeks, my t-shirt was getting really dirty, because it was out there in the trenches, right, which is where I wanted to be. And there, you know, Liz, you can go get new t-shirts. 
you know, you can go get new practice t-shirts. I go get a practice t-shirt and I'm handed five, five amazing gayer shirts that you, you would buy at the store and feel very good about. So it was just, a, it was a, it was a different world and it, and it met my expectations and didn't at the same time. But the training, the training I received uh, was absolutely incredible. You know, it was the first time I was year round, year round at a sport and I improved immensely quickly as a result of training in this different environment. So where, so where I didn't feel, and I'm trying to search for the right word for this, where it wasn't the camaraderie that I experienced at Bates, you know, it was the challenge and conflict that brought the energy that fueled performances. And sometimes that works really effectively. <laughs> that works really effectively too, as it did for me. So for those who don't know, take us through your post-college career in the shot put, some highlights, some experiences. Um, you know, you mentioned the world championships. Um, tell us about that, I guess. Yeah. So three years later from missing out on the D3 national championship meet, there I am competing at the 2005 world championships <laughs> representing team USA in the gear. You know, my head was so focused on what it meant to be an excellent shot putter that it's like all of a sudden I looked up and I had a team USA jersey on. Uh, I had my appendix out right after USA nationals. I remember practicing and feeling a stitch in my side and then it got worse and worse progressively. So I had to go to the hospital. So wasn't in, uh, in tremendous shape for that meet and continued to compete in the top 20 in the world for four solid, three, four solid years. Competed at 2008, had my sights set and fell short. Fell short, I think about three inches short. And I, I thought about the Olympic trials and being an alternate for the Olympic team and what that really meant. And I think, I think that, you know, the week is very taxing. I didn't have my nerve from a performance standpoint. I didn't have my nervous system set very well from the prelims. You know, I came out a little too fast and you kind of have to reset your nervous system after that. And it was a lot of focus. People don't realize there's a lot of focus for me to compete well. And I've maintained a very focused lifestyle. Uh, it's sometimes so focused, I think it, and any sports psychologist might have said it was unhealthy, but given that what I wanted to do, you know, it was a deliberate decision to push it as far as I could go. And it, it was a deliberate decision to do that. So uh, lining up, I don't, I don't think I ever, if you think about the underlying emotions of a day like that, I don't think I ever truly accepted myself as someone at the top of the sport but rather as someone who is just achieving excellence in the shot put. Uh, whereas some of those, um, some of those excellent, you know, or some of those achievements are expected of others, you know, but it wouldn't be fair to talk about this experience because those moments and, and those achievements took on more importance when there were steroid rumors circulating. So when you, improve and I'm just glad I have the floor to talk about this but when you improve fast and when you do the unthinkable people have to make sense of what that is 
and how it was achieved. The only one who knows me really well kind of understands sport is that, okay, if you take away volleyball and you go to a completely different training environment with coaches and athletes who compete at that elite level, it makes sense that someone would improve. But people who were outside of that environment uh, had trouble wrapping their mind around that. And so whereas the journey was one of the most exciting times of my life, the steroid accusations were among the worst. And I still, I tell you, I don't know where to go with that pain. Who do I blame? Do I, do I blame myself for not keeping closer relationships with people in my life? You know, as I, as I became really focused, you know, a lot of relationships fell out of balance. You know, do I blame others who weren't fair to me in making those accusations that, that were baseless? I mean, without any kind of knowledge. I mean, my performances in track and field were intense. I would scream. Uh, people grunted when they throw, I would scream. I, I literally pulled everything I could out of me. And it was, it was something, <laughs> it was something to behold. It was something to behold. Um, do I blame Marion Jones and Lance Armstrong for creating this culture of doubting our heroes and doubting those performances? You know, it's something that still hurts. And how many years later? You know, 16 years later from 2004. Um, so you could typify my experience post-collegiately with that dichotomy. The most exciting time of competing abroad in countries uh, that I would never have visited otherwise, Italy, Germany, uh, Germany Brazil, uh, Puerto Rico, you know, everywhere, you know, Helsinki, Finland, competing in street shot put in Stockholm, you know, competing in this small, Thessaloniki, this Greek island where they were serving the athletes goat heads, literal, literal goat heads the night before. And I got to watch the guys from Hungary, the hammer throwers from Hungary, not even know what to do. The experiences that ugh, people don't get the chance to do, you know. I give myself credit for taking the risk, but there's, of course, luck involved. And uh, the undertone was that there were people who didn't even know me and even some people who knew me, you know, who knew me at Bates you know, saying that that was something I was willing to do to perform. And it goes against everything, everything that I stand for. I, I did not know you faced that. I did not. I oh did my not. gosh, that was the big, that was the big deal back then, you know, to, or, you know, I think it's always important to keep perspective too. Was that something that I magnified because it hurt so badly? I mean, people would say it to my face, mm. you know, that they thought that that's what I was doing. You know, so it's still, the pain is still very real. And even talking about it will take me back there. will take me back to that. Uh, but yeah, I definitely face that. And you can imagine why people would be skeptical with such improvement so fast. And again, doing the unthinkable. Because it really was. It was just, you know, I'm really glad Keelan, for Keelan's performances, he showed everyone that it could be done. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's amazing. An amazing hammer thrower. But yeah, I really... That was something that was a big part of my experience, whether I magnified it, whether you know, I let it become a big part of my experience, or whether it was something that people casually mentioned, you know, and, and didn't really hold that tight to. But yeah, it was that was hard. It was really hard. Well, now you're at Ohio, right? As an assistant professor, assistant director of analytics um, in the business school. I'm curious what 
path took you there? I mean, from an academic perspective, obviously you just got your last year, you got, you got a master's there at Penn State. Uh, you had the doctorate there at Ball State the year before, uh, in 2015. So what was your journey like from an academic perspective? How did Bates prepare you for post for postgrad stuff and now where your current position, I guess? Well, like I said, you know, Bates was a template for everything I achieve now and yeah. that athletic experience. So I was really looking for a new journey and it took me a while to figure out what it is. So Ohio University houses uh, the sports administration program that had been number one for the first for five the past five years, the number one program that you could you could attend in the nation. Now this is where I wanted to be. You know, this is this is the place that I knew um, I would grow and that I could contribute to in a really valuable way. This is where I, what I wanted to do, um, but I didn't really fall uh, in love with analytics and the analytics space until I entered the master's program at Penn State. So in there are times when I can reflect back and say, you know, with professional successes, I'm like, oh, this was the national championship win at Division Three, or oh, this was the national championship loss. They'll feel the same. Right. And I'll wake up the next day and I'll continue to to what I'm doing. Uh, but I'm I'm so grateful to have found a second journey and then again to feel that you know made it to the top program. What a wonderful uh, thing to tout. And knowing that, that the journey is just beginning, becoming an excellent analyst, you know, pursuing the good life, excellence in, in what it means to be um, an analytics uh, professional is just starting. It's really just starting because my appreciation for, for the space is just enormous. And so I know that there's, there's still a lot, there's still a lot to learn and, and more that I want to explore and the field is growing. So there's, there's more that's even, it's, you know, it's evolving. But there are times I, I will reflect back and feel the same way that I did about, about certain things. I'll often compare it. I'll be like, okay, I just crossed the division three threshold. You know, I'm at the University of Florida. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I there'll be comparisons that I make. Um, so it's really, it's really, really similar. It's just a template. It's a template. It's a template for everything, for everything that I do now and living a life that I'm proud of. It really is. Do you ever get the temptation to throw the shot put again? You know, I thought about it. Yeah. I thought about it when I got your conversation. I do a river walk that's very near the Ohio University track. Of course, it's shut down now. But I still have my shot put. I keep it in my office just in case there's a perpetrator. <laughs> Give that thing a throw. Yeah. And, you know, the people who are not supposed to be there are out the way, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I see it and I look and it's time. I think it's time to get back out. I think it's time to get back out and take a couple throws. Now my back injury prevents me from throwing with my right even still, it's severe, it's spondylolisthesis. It's not going away, it's not healable through surgery. Um, but I think it'd be a good time to take some, some lefty throws on knees and start developing my strike again, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm sure whether you're able to do it, I'm sure left-handed you can still probably <laughs> outthrow some folks. So but we'll find out. And then what if I catch the fever? No, I won't catch the fever again. It's analytics this time. It's not shop this time. It's analytics this time. <laughs> well, any other thoughts about your time at Bates you wanted to share that we haven't gotten to touch on yet? No, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you reached out. I'm so thankful for my experience. Uh, I'm so thankful, just filled with gratitude, absolutely. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll interview another Bobcat from days gone by who made a huge impact at Bates. Find out who next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates.